Welcome back to another episode of Rethink Real Estate. Today, I'm taking you through representing offers. Uh, with the escalating days on marketplace, one of the key things that is definitely apparent from the conversations that we're having on an ongoing basis and the volume of people reaching out to us from an auction service perspective is that agents either have forgotten what it's like to sell on with days on market or they never have. So today is about the strategy of representing offers. Hopefully it helps. Welcome to Rethink Real Estate. My name is Ben Brady, and this is a real estate podcast aimed to deliver sales strategies, marketing tips, and business insights from industry experts and myself to build a listing-focused business for the future. Let's get into it. So in today's marketplace, it's becoming evident that one of two things I don't know whether or not agents are just not used to selling in days on market or that they haven't. So let me talk to you about where I'm going with this is that, you know, at the moment, if something doesn't sell pretty much instantaneously, it's probably going to be on the marketplace for longer than 30 days, maybe even a little bit longer. And it's going to have to go through price reductions and all of that type of stuff, depending on the marketplace that you're currently in. You know, there's certainly some areas of uh, of North America that we're seeing agents actually engage with us more from an auction perspective than they ever have before. A good example of that is that you know our Oregon team, um, you know the market has moved so quickly for them for so long. Um, you're seeing that you know now they've engaged in the auction process more than ever. We've got more auctions in Oregon than we ever have because the average days on marketplace has increased. Um, you know, a little bit of uncertainty with interest rates and whatever it may be, you know, whatever your philosophy is in the marketplace at the moment, it's so difficult to have one um, because no one knows what it's going to be. All I know is that it's going to be probably painful for a period of time than longer than any of us really want. But it all leads back to the factor of that if you go back through the real estate community and the I, again, I'm just guessing here is like the 1.5 million agents that there are in North America. I would go as far as to say that at least half of them have never sold in days on market and don't understand it. I'd go as far as the other half that are left over have gotten so lazy over the last number of years that they just don't want to sell in days on market. I know that no one ever does really want to sell, but there was a time where we've been doing this process for over 10 years now where, you know, 45 days was actually known as, you know, the first little bump in the road when it came to your relationship with your sellers. Right now, I'm seeing properties in 45 days that have already done two price reductions, which again is great that you're moving to the marketplace, but it's not great if you're doing little incremental price reductions because, again, that reputational nature of the property. But today, what I want to go through is a philosophy, what I call holding on to buyers, which I know that we've already spoken a little bit about that in a previous episode, but realistically, where I'm going with this is representing offers. This is not a process that is particular to auction. I just want to talk through this representation process. Um, and I'm going to share with you just a, a quick story. Um, and that's really the nature of today's episode. And hopefully you can grasp what I'm putting down um, or pick up what I'm putting down is what I meant to say uh, from the story that I'm about to share with you. And when I was selling real estate, I had a friend of mine that reached out to me and he said, Ben, I want to sell my apartment. I'm, you know, I, 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 uh, I bought it when I was getting divorced. And I, I made a pretty bad decision. Now, in um, in Australia or in Brisbane, where I was selling real estate, is that uh, is that I was on the Western Corridor, um, it uh, known as Forest Lake. Now, from the city, it's about forty minutes. So, the Central Business District um, in Brisbane, there's a pretty big downtown area. Um, think about it for those from a geographical standpoint, very similar to San Diego. You know, say I was living in, um, uh, you know. 
uh, Escondido and ultimately had to had to drive into downtown San Diego. Same sort of thing. He had a property in um, downtown Brisbane and he purchased it um, in a bad situation. Again, keeping in mind that in Australia is that there is no buyer representation so that he definitely wasn't advised by me at the time to purchase the property. He actually called me and said, hey, I bought this property at auction. What do you think? And whatever. He already bought it. Now, one of the big fundamental problems in this building was once he bought it, he paid, I think it was like 460 from memory um, for the property. But one of the problems was in this building is that over the period of time or the 12 months that it, when he bought the property is that that building is, had had um, had gotten what was called concrete cancer. So they basically had to do reconcrete different sections of the building structurally. So therefore, the HOA fees were astronomically high because there were assessments on the building. So we've probably all experienced this before or know of it, you know, like that particular building in a downtown area. You know, I've dealt with some in San Francisco where we've auctioned those properties like down um, in the East Cut area where, you know, you've got these buildings, they're beautiful, but you're paying two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a month in HOA fees on top of purchasing something for one or $2 million. Now, this is a little bit different. You know, bought it for 460 thousand um, dollars but he all, he already overpaid for it. And the reason he overpaid for it is that he purchased emotionally. He was going through a divorce. You know, he the divorce was just about settled. And he's like, I've got to go get myself a bachelor pad, essentially. Um, and he went in and just bought basically the first thing that he saw. So he didn't buy smart in the beginning anyway, and he already knew that. But then for this ha- to happen with the concrete cancer, the reassessment of the building, like, what happened is that when he called me and said he wanted to sell it, I looked at the building and there were like 25 apartments that were on the marketplace in that building already. So as you can tell is that a lot of people were being crippled by the the assessment and also the high HOA fees. So it wasn't overly desirable from that perspective. Um, so immediately or automatically I knew it was we were going to be going uphill here, pushing whatever you want to call um, uphill. But where I had to go through with this is be very conscious of the journey that he was on. He wasn't in the position to absorb the loss financially, really, and he wasn't mentally there either. That's one of the things that I will say about the the difference between Australian and and the North American side of real estate that I grow I've grown to learn is that people in the US are a little bit more open minded. Now you might not think this at the moment, or you might not think it in general, but I certainly can speak to it from the difference of where another another culture in another place is that in North America because of the financial crisis that happened, there are more people that are willing to understand that sometimes you have to take your medicine, take your money out of it because you're losing the opportunity cost to go and reinvest it into something else. In Australia, that just isn't the case. Nobody ever, ever will agree to lose money on a property unless it's an extenuating circumstance like financial problems, family problems, whatever it ultimately is. It just wasn't something that we'd ever experienced really and haven't really experienced the Australian culture of people losing money with their real estate asset. Everyone's always made money. Like it's kind of laughed off, oh, you don't lose money on real estate. So, as it stands is that this was just not something when I walked into the property and I looked at it, you know, it it was fine. Um, It was probably the benefit was it was probably one of the better aspects of the building. So I did have that as an upside to sell it against the other, you know, 20 plus properties that were on the marketplace in that building already. But where I'm going to with this guys, there is a point here. Okay. Is that regardless of what the marketplace was doing at that point in the there, 
a bad building and a bad piece of real estate is still a bad building and a bad piece of real estate in all marketplaces, regardless of the demand. Um, and it really did not pencil out from the HOA fees, the assessment. Don't get me wrong, they'd given a plan to sort of bring the building back to life and all of that type of stuff. But most people don't have the foresight or the patience to to go through that. So, all of, uh, so we put it on as an auction. Um, we in Australia, you don't have a bidding to start from price, but realistically, the first week came around and we were lucky enough. I had two groups of people through the open house. Um, those two people, we worked really, really hard. Um, and um, one of them ended up putting an offer in. Now, he wanted $460,000. I want to make sure that we go back on these numbers. He wanted $460,000. This buyer's first offer was $300,000. So as you can appreciate is that the response wasn't great. But again, I went to the seller. I took him an offer prior to auction and said, hey, this is where it is. And he legitimately tore the thing up in front of me in frustration. You've got to understand as well, the relationship that I had with him was a lot more raw in the sense that I knew him already as a friend, as as not a close friend, but certainly somebody that you know we could speak our mind to. And he legitimately in front of me, I sat down, I waited for him after the open house, the buyer came in and they don't have buyer representation in Australia. So I wrote the offer up for them and $300,000, I presented it to him after the open house. He literally tore it up. I still remember it went into pieces. First, like rip, like it's one of those things where he tried to rip it and it didn't rip the first time around. It was a little embarrassing, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Um, but he got through it. He ripped it up. That was fine. He was just really, really frustrated. Now, at that point, you've got one of two decisions to make in these individual environments. I think you've got to embrace that that reaction is really going to be the telltale sign. And this is why I embrace getting as many low offers on a property as you possibly can in the very first degree, just to understand where the seller really is at. Because if let's face it, like you don't have unbelievable relationships where people will tell you every insight to the nature of their life and their financial situation and really everything until you actually list the property and you probably get a few weeks into it and you give them the the, the raw emotion of buying, uh, of, of, of sorry, accepting maybe a lower offer than what they wanted or anything along those lines. You don't truly know where their motivation lies. So getting that out up front was really, really clear to me. Like he went really deep into his situation, his financial situation. He couldn't afford to take the loss, all of these different things. And I'm like, well, I've got to remind you here at this point, okay? Um, and his name was Gary. Um, Gary, uh, I said to Gary, I said, uh, I said, Gary, look, you I've got to remind you of the point why are you selling this then why don't you just keep it then hold on to it go like grit your teeth and go through the assessment period and them regenerating the building and he said look Ben I, I just can't um you know I, I really can't one I'm emotionally worn out but two is that you know from a financial perspective is that now that with the alimony that I've got to pay my wife and you know the child support and everything along those lines I can't afford to keep it um so so I'm like okay well you're staring down the barrel of losing money regardless. I don't believe that I'm going to be able to get you $460,000 for this property and I want to be upfront about that right now. Do you want to keep going or do you want to find an alternative path? And he's like, no, well, we've got to keep going. Just do your best. Like, like you've got to try and get me that 460. I'm like, okay, okay. So at that point, it was more along the lines of, of me going down the path of knowing that he had to go through a process of elimination. Just so you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, he has absolutely no chance, okay, of getting anywhere close to 400, let alone 460. So leading back down it, I went to the buyers of that made the offer. 
Now, knowing that this was going to be very scarce um, is that I know that none of the other properties in the building had any offers on them. I know that none of the other properties in the building had, had gone under contract or into escrow um, over the last number of months. So I knew that when that buyer walked in the door and they were like, hey, look, this would be something we'd be interested in. Um, you know, And I and I went through the process with them and, and going through and going, hey, guys, would you like to make an offer? Oh, well, look, I, th- I don't want to, we don't want to insult the seller. I'm like, well, what's insulting to the seller? Tell, give me an idea of your budget and I can tell you whether or not it's a waste of time. Look, I... Look, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm just not sure. I'm like, well, well, guys, what is your budget? Well, you know, we can we can afford all the way up to four, probably even four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But you know, we're looking at this as an opportunity to buy something now and see through the assessment and maybe come out the other side and have some value. And I'm like, okay, well, give me a number, uh, three hundred. Like, well, let's put it on paper and see what the seller says. There's no harm in trying, right? So we put it on paper. Obviously, now he ripped it up. First week of me showing, this was the first weekend of the open houses. Auction was three weeks away at this point. So I had another two other open houses on the weekend to try and rustle up some further interest, but I knew that it was going to be scarce. So wrote the offer, ripped it up. So it's what do I tell the buyer to hold on to them? I called the buyer and I said, look, as you can appreciate, it's a very emotional experience going through and selling the home. The seller has said no to the 300, but I believe it's a no now. It might not be a no later. However, 300 is probably a little light. I need to talk to you about price. I need to talk to you about coming up a little bit further. But I just need to understand whether or not you guys are willing and are patient enough to go through the next couple of weeks with me. And what I mean by that is that I want to have your permission to represent the 300. I know I'm not going to get him to sell it for that. You are going to have to sharpen your pencil and we're going to talk about where you need to go to. But I need you to understand that this isn't going to be something that I'm going to be able to get done for you in one week, two weeks, probably not even three. It's going, I'm going to need to go all the way up to the actual auction date itself. And I'm going to need to take you guys on that journey with me. And they're like, they said to me, well, Ben, I, oh, well, well, we're not going to wait. I'm like, guys, if you're not going to be patient, I'm not going to be able to get this deal done. Seller needs to go through the process of elimination and they are entitled to do so, right? Just like you're entitled to go somewhere else and you can go and actually look at something else if you wanted to. Like we, we want to buy this property, Ben, but we're going to keep looking. No problem, but I'm going to keep in frequent communication with you guys, letting you know where it's at, just so that I'm not representing something. But in the meantime, I want to represent your offer to him at the end of next week, okay? And I want to represent it the week after if he doesn't say yes as well, if that's okay. But I need to actually represent something that's more along the lines. I need your best and final. I need to know where you will go to and what your bottom line is for this property, right? And again, we went through a whole negotiation. That took a few days. I ended up getting to three hundred and eighty thousand dollars is where I end up getting them to. Which so they've gone from three hundred to three eighty. He wants four sixty, right? But if at this point I didn't write up the three hundred and eighty thousand dollars, I didn't get them to put it on paper. I didn't do any of that stuff because again, I would have been obligated to take it to the to the seller. Now he wasn't ready to see the three hundred eighty thousand dollars. He was still really annoyed and pissed off at the three hundred. He was still really annoyed at the situation that he'd put himself in. So the next weekend, I did the open house. We had zero people through. As expected, I was pretty surprised to get two the first weekend, but we had zero people through. So I called Gary Okay, afterwards. He was out of town and I said, Gary, look, we didn't have anyone through this week. And I just was quite silent. Gary, I've still got the $300,000 there. And he yelled at me over the phone. He's like, Ben, don't ever bring that amount of money up to me again. I don't ever want to hear it. I'm like, Gary, I'm trying to let you know 
that there are 20 other properties in the building. None of them have an offer, but you do. You have a choice to say yes or no. And even if it's no, that's still a privilege in the situation that this building is in and the, build, in the, in the, in the situation that you're in. So forgive me for just giving you the news, but I just wanted to represent that to you. Well, no, I just, I just can't take it. I just, it would just be too big a loss for me. So fast forward, following weekend, okay, is that following weekend, I didn't have anyone through. Okay, nobody through again. So therefore, call Gary again. Ring, ring, ring. Okay, I'm like, hey, are you going to be home soon? Yes, great. Okay, I'd rather talk to you face to face. No, just tell me what's on. Gary, just come home and we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a chat. Okay, great. Got him there. I think it's really important when you're having these conversations to try and do them in person or over Zoom, at least eyeball to eyeball, not on the phone. But but that said is that um, said to him, look, nobody came through again today, um, but those buyers are still there, just so you know. Well, I'm not going to accept 300. Well, what, what, how close to 300 would you start to consider? Now, again, keep in mind, guys, I'm not trying to lie to him because the moment I give 380, he's going to want 400. I kind of need to bring him to a point of acceptance beforehand. And he's like, well, look, I bet I've, I've spoken to my financial advisor because again, I set him up with like to go and talk to the financial advisor, talk to him how he could absorb a hit, talk to him how, you know, you're going to pay off the remaining balance of the property to the, uh, to the, um, uh, if we were to sell it for less, like you've got to go through all of those those situations and how you could do so. Um, and he talked about borrowing from his 401k and all of these different things that he could do. So he was in a position now to absorb the information a little bit more because he'd gotten used to the nature of this conversation. Anyway, he's like, look, if you could bring them to 400, I think I could do that. And I'm like, Gary, look, they're at three. I don't like, I don't know what, I don't know what we need to I don't know what we need to talk about here but I'm sorry I don't have them there at this point. And it's a long gap to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, let's just see it out a little bit further. Let me cultivate the offer a little bit more. Let me make sure they're still there because again these guys are their patience running a little bit thin of course. So let me just see. So we ended up um the auction was on a Thursday night. So I'd had three Saturday open houses. The auction was coming up on a Thursday night, okay, at our Brisbane in-room auctions. I scheduled a call with him for Tuesday to go, Gary, I've called through everybody, which was only two people. I've still got those buyers there, okay? But again, they need a number from you to come to. And he goes, look, I can do 390. I've spoken to the financial planner. That's what I can do, bottom line. I'm like, okay, well, let me see what I can do. Now, that was music to my ears. He'd gotten there on his own. I hadn't forcefully brought him there. He'd gone through the process of elimination. So I called the buyers and I obviously just had a quick conversation. Guys, the great news about all of this is that if you can get me as close to 400 as you possibly can, I never gave them an actual number. This is where counteroffers are absolute bullshit, okay? I, I just, again, I, I can't express that point enough and we can go through it at another time, but we've already gone through it on the podcast. If you don't understand why counteroffers are crap, I don't know that I can help you. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, as, as we go through it, I just said to them, I said, guys, can you get me, can you, how can you get me closer to 400? All that type of stuff. They called me back and they gave us 395. Okay. So again, if I just went to 390, they would have given me 388, uh, 388, sorry, 385, uh, 385. They probably would have given me. Okay. But they went to 395. All right. So I got them there. Okay. Now I went to Gary and I said, look, I've got you 395. He was elated. He's like, oh, that's amazing. That's that makes me feel so much better. That's great. Awesome. We signed off and we accepted that offer. We and we canceled the auction date. 
there's a few, there's a whole lot of points and a whole lot of diagnosis here. But one of the things that I really wanted to make a point on this episode is that at the moment, guys, you've got to embrace the process of elimination. You've got to embrace, embrace the fact that this is going to take a bit of time. And those original people that you get in the flurry of interest, don't take them for granted. Hold on to them. Keep in contact with them. Get them to put in a low offer in. Give them hope that there's a chance that that low offer could be accepted later maybe, even though you might know that it's not, to make sure that you're putting your seller in a position where they can absorb it later on. Let me give you an example of what really makes me furious about this real estate industry. Low offer comes in, the agent calls it a low offer, okay, and they're like, they they pretend to be smug with the sellers. Oh, don't worry, it's just a low offer. No, it's an offer. The law offer comes in, you let the seller counteroffer. Imagine if I let Gary counteroffer this in the first degree. What would he have counteroffered at? $460,000, okay? Not to mention it's poor negotiation, but the other party would have blown the buyer out of the water and they would have been gone. This is the problem that I see in this industry time and time again. We think that things have to be instantly gratified. They don't. We need to hold on to people a little bit longer because it is a process of elimination. And when you deal in emotion, this is why the computers are not going to replace us is because of the process I just took you through is the emotional element of things. Okay. And again, I'm getting a little passionate here, but realistically, if you don't understand what I'm saying to you, please, you probably aren't fit for this podcast channel. Because at the end of the day, this is how real estate should work is that we need to give our sellers time and also as I've mentioned in previous episodes, it also helps with the honeymoon period because what happens is that we sell our sellers on false hope. We negotiate really quickly with these buyers. We get them up to a certain price point and then they fall out of escrow and all of a sudden your seller's expectations are set sky high. You're not helping yourself in any way, shape or form. So taking them through and holding onto that process and being playing the patience game and bringing everybody together for a smooth transaction in the end and allowing the seller to get there, allowing the buyers to get there as well, and I know that we deal with buyer's agents some of the time, but use this same process with the buyer's agent. They are just as in this process as the buyer themselves. Take them on that journey as well, okay? But what it allowed the seller to do is make a decision because if I allowed Gary to counteroffer to their first $300,000 for four hundred and sixty, dollars it would have blown them out of the water. They would have gone elsewhere. Bad taste in their mouth would never have been retrievable. They would have gone and purchased elsewhere within 48 hours. Most buyers purchase from a rejected offer. They put another offer in within 48 hours after because they're getting frustrated with the process. They would have gone. And I don't know that I ever would have been able to sell that place because remember, I had nobody else through the property the entire time. So all in all, I hope that you can take something away from that. Selling on days on market is a privilege. Pressure is a privilege. You know, I think that uh, Billy Jean said it's on the stadium as you go into the US Open Stadium there. But but privilege is a pressure. Uh, pressure is a privilege. And I think that we have to take this a little bit more seriously that this is going to be a bit of a journey, allowing everybody to go through that journey in order to get a harmonious outcome. You've just got to play a little bit more of the long game. Hopefully this helps. Hopefully it's not confusing. Hopefully I haven't rambled on, but that said, I think that this is a tactic that you're going to have to embrace in the coming 12, 18, 24 months. Who knows? Just get better at it. It's always easier. It's always easier to sell real estate in easy markets, but the people that, in, that embrace the tougher markets can always lean back on those skill sets. Thanks, everybody. 
So about 75% of our audience hasn't liked, followed, or subscribed to our podcast. It would mean the world to us and it would help this podcast more than you know to expand our reach if you were to like, follow, or subscribe on any of the platforms that you're watching or listening on. Thanks again.